Church family. Uh, we are reaching the end of chapter 1 in our series through the book of Nehemiah. We're talking about prayer uh, and how uh, the type of prayer that are, that are successful are driven first and foremost by an admiration, adoration of who God is. Um, Nehemiah speaks of God and his character, how he's a great and awesome God, and how he preserves the covenants and his loving kindness. And <clears throat> all of these attributes of the Lord is what drives his prayer. Um, and then we talk about how for us an application in our prayer life, there should be in it um, a constant reverence for the Lord, that we should be speaking highly of him, um, because that's who he is. Um, God wants us to make worshipers, and we worship him. And that should move us into the second part, which is confession. The way that we um, uh, view God should, should change us and humble us and make us realize that we are not worthy of God uh, because of our sin, uh, because of who we are, because of our natural disposition and our inclinations. The Lord um, is, is holy and we're sinners. Um, and the fact that uh, we understand who he is will make us realize how small we are and how insignificant and finite and more importantly that how undeserving we are because of our sin. We see that uh, where Nehemiah prays and he's asking uh, the Lord to, he's confessing his sins, he's confessing the sins of Israel and all the sins that they've committed against the Lord where they have not kept God's uh, commandments, statutes, and ordinances. And now we're going to move towards the third uh, and really the final or the third and fourth part. Um, we see in this next part, this is Thanksgiving aspect. Uh, he's thankful, and he's specifically thankful for God's word that's, um, that reveals more of his character and how he keeps his command and promises. Uh, when God gives uh, a promise to um, his people, he fulfills it. Uh, in whatever orders and regulations, he said, if you keep my commands, I'll bless you. He does just that. Verse 8 of Nehemiah chapter 1. Uh, remember the word which you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though, uh, though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote part of heavens, I will gather them from there and will bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. Uh, Nehemiah here, he knows God's word. He knows God's word and he prays according to God's will. And um, he knows that, okay, people that are separated are separated because of sin. But those who draw near to the Lord uh, are faithful to him. God will, will bring them back no matter how far they are, or how, uh, how, how far they've distanced themselves from the Lord because of their sin. All it takes is just one step back, one step of repentance, and we're drawn back to the Lord. And that's how it is for us as well. When we think about our own sin, when we think about how, uh, the type of idols that we have in the heart, um, we could be committing sins for a while, but one repentance is what brings us uh, to him again. Um, and, and Nehemiah is praying here according to God's word. He's according to God's will. In a lot of ways, you won't really understand how to pray unless you know uh, what God's word has to say. So when people pray, sometimes they pray in terms of things that are really contrary to scripture. They pray for things that are uh, in sin. You know, they, they pray for things that are like, idols in their life. Like God will never answer those type of prayers. God will never answer pr uh, prayers that make, uh, that would put something above himself. 
This is why when you know God's word, um, you, you, you should be thankful because God reveals to you what type of prayers that he wants you to pray for. Um, you know, when you think about uh, praying for godliness, this, that's what's pleasing to him. When you pray, want to pray for evangelism, that's pleasing to him. When you pray for uh, salvation of other people, that's pleasing things that are type of prayers that are pleasing to him. Now, uh, the, the whole entire Bible has about 7,000 promises in, in it. And, um, you know, Nehemiah here is praying through some of these promises. Uh, God promised that if these people are faithful, that he will, uh, that he will bless them. And if they scatter uh, and repent, God will draw them back. Uh, he's thankful for uh, God's, uh, God's character, who he is. And he prayed confidently that God will give. You know, James chapter 1 tells us that when we pray, uh, we shouldn't pray uh, without doubt. You know, like if we want to uh, pray, we, we must pray uh, not doubting the Lord so that we can know what, uh, for a fact that God is, is going to answer prayer. Again, it's, if it's according to his word. Persistent prayer to the Lord um, t uh, shows us that we actually have a persistent trust in him. Um, and you constantly want to pray. You know, the more you pray for something, let's say it's for salvation of your friends or family members, the more you actually trust the Lord. Um, and that shows you that, like, you actually believe God's word. Uh, the more you pray, the more you trust the Lord. The less you pray, the less you trust the Lord. And we understand that just from our natural relationships, right? You go to certain people that are dependable because, or reliable because they have proven themselves to be people that are dependable and reliable. You don't ask for help from those who are flaky because you know that they're not going to be helpful. Now that's, the, uh, in, a, in some small way, that's how we view the Lord. If you go to the Lord in prayer for every little thing, you're saying to the Lord and to even yourself that you need him to help you, to sustain you. And that's what John 15 tells us that, he, we are the branches. He is divine. You know, we can't do anything without him. So then the question you need to ask yourself for us, and even for all of us today, like, do you know about him to pray and to trust him? Error comes when we don't know who God is and prayer is lacking because we don't trust God. You know, when we pray at the end, we say, in your name. Do you understand that when we pray with that phrase, in Jesus' name, or in, in your name, it basically means it's according to your will a reflection of who you are, and a mirror of your character. Um, effective prayer is someone that trusts in God that's revealed in his word. Nehemiah here was praying and hoping that, uh, his, that, the gods, that God will, will, uh, will answer his prayer, but it's according to his word and his character. Verse 10, uh, they are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great power and by your strong hand. Again, this is going on, continue to trusting in the Lord and his character and who he is. He has his real relationship with God, and he delights in the Lord. And he, he wants uh, the Lord to redeem those with, great uh, with his great power and with his strong hand. Notice that in early on, he said, let your ears ha be, be attentive, let your eyes be open. Now he's using, he's using another uh, uh, you know, phrase that we understand, is using your strong hand. He's using all of these um, words to describe almost like God as a human um, anthropomorphic language so that we understand, so we can see and trust this God who sees, hears, and can do things. Um, our God is a real God, and if we have a real relationship with him, we want to keep praying because we delight in him. And then we, we, when you think of ourselves, when we um, do delight in the Lord, we're reading God's word. 
you know, is, is it a chore for you to read? Is it a chore for you to pray? Is it a, is it a burden for you to walk uh, with the Lord? And if it's hard for it to do these things, that there's something wrong with your relationship with the Lord. Um, you need to learn to delight in Him. And prayer is something that is sweet. It's a, it should be a, something that you would like to do because it's, it's communication with the Lord. Um, and we understand how hard that is even in our earthly relationships. Right? If, you, if you know someone who every time they see you, it's like, oh, this guy is such a, a, a chore or this guy is such a burden. You don't really want to have a relationship with that person because they don't see you as someone valuable. And yet sometimes in our prayer life, in our Bible reading, we do things to check it off our list because we know that maybe someone will ask us a Bible question or our accountability partners will, will judge us if we, if, they, if we don't pray a certain amount of time. But no, you should be like what Psalm 42 verse 1 tells us about how it's like a deer pants for water. Um, that's how we should uh, want the Lord. It's something that we delight in. The Lord is our greatest delight. Delighting the Lord is what you, are, you and I are made for. Uh, relationship in the Lord must be delightful. And real Christians, love um, love for God will, will be moved by God. Yeah, and it's easy for you to feel like you want to go back to church now, especially with our COVID-19, but will you still have this feeling of wanting to fellowship and sing after maybe a week or two once, once we return? Because if you're driven by your emotions uh, then the, the, and not true delight in the Lord, then those emotions will fade and so would your um, your devotion to the Lord. But if you have a real delight in Him, a genuine heart for our Savior, then it doesn't matter whether we're far or close away in with the church body because we are close to the Lord. So are you thankful to the Lord when you pray? Are you thankful for His Word that He's given to you and the promises that He has, whether it's overcoming sin or evangelism opportunity or, or um, over tem- overcoming temptation, um, growing in Christ-likeness, being a faithful parent, a faithful child, a faithful worker. Um, all of these different areas are the Lord working in your heart because He promises these things. Right? Philippians 1 tells us that he who begins a work, good work in you will finish it and complete it on the day of the Lord. The Lord is working through you and I. And if we keep praying for things that are, are according to God's will, uh, then these are the type of prayers that are successful. Nehemiah here pray, is praying that God's will, God will act according to his uh, will based on his word, and, and that's how we should be praying as well. So at first, we have this adoration to the Lord. Then we have this uh, confession of our sin. Then we have this thankfulness to the Lord for his word. And lastly, we should have a... Um, we should be uh, praying for supplication, things that we, we need from the Lord. The last point is supplication. We see this at the end of verse uh, 10 to uh, throughout to 11, when he says that he, um, that uh, we read verse 10, They are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I beseech you, may your servant be attentive to your prayer to the prayer of your servants and the, and the prayer of your servants who delight in, to revere your name and make your servant successful today and grant him compassion before this man. This is a real request here. And he really just prays for success. Um, and this is the only time this entire prayer where he actually prays for something. And the thing that he prays for is that he prays for success. He first started with this adoration, of, uh, this uh, thing, this um, all for the Lord that he he speaks about that he prays about his confession of sin and his thankfulness for God's word and his faithfulness through God's word and now he's actually praying for what he needs and it's really a short amount of uh, supplications um, 
because he, you know, his heart is very aligned with, and knit with the Lord, and he doesn't have the same uh, omniscience as the Lord, but he's just praying and he asks that uh, the Lord will make him successful in this area. And this is a death-defying request. If you remember when we went through the book of Esther, Esther had to, when she went to talk to the king of Persia, she did not know whether or not uh, she would make it out alive because in that culture, you, you can't just go to the king and expect uh, to get an audience. He has to you know, extend his, uh, his wand out in order for you to go to him. And that's how the Persian is. And he, <laughs> Nehemiah here is, is in the similar situation. He just wanted to be successful in the moment. And you know, he didn't actually pray that the walls get fixed. His prayer was that he's successful today. He doesn't know what the future has in store. He doesn't know how it's going to play out, but he just focused um, on what he, the task is in front of him. And this is something that we need to think about when we pray. Whenever we ask for the Lord for something, you don't need to overthink uh, so, so far down the line. You know, when you're thinking, when you're praying for your job, you need, you don't necessarily, for a job, let's say, for example, you don't need to necessarily pray to be a good employee or a good coworker. If you're applying for a job, just pray for the first thing, which is that your interview will go well, that you'll honor the Lord with your speech, that everything will be fine. Uh, if you're a parent, you're praying for your, uh, you know, for your kids. Yes, yes, you want to pray in the long term of salvation, but you want to also, more importantly than that, you need to pray for the moment, what you have to do, uh, the next, the, the step ahead of you, which is just be a faithful parent. You know, you're constantly, you want to ask God for grace to be able to disciple, to shepherd, and to discipline the kid. Uh, with wisdom and uh, fairness and love. Um, if you're a student, you don't need to pr uh, pray about uh, worries about the future of your jobs. You uh, have enough problems today as a student. Just pray for that you're faithful as a student in your assignments today and to your classmates. Whatever it may be, sometimes our prayer is just so beyond us, like beyond in terms of time, that we forget that you, know, you, just, you don't know what the future has to hold. So just pray for things that's right in front of you. He prays for this because, you know, he wants to be successful. He wants to honor the Lord. He's asking. Um, he he said he has a he delights to revere the name of the Lord. He wants to be successful so that God could be honored. He's essentially praying that God's will will be done. Um, he trusts in God's character and he trusts that God will move the king if it's according to His will. Now you have to ask yourself this: Do you pray this way? Do your prayers seek God's glory more than your own pleasure? Sometimes the way that we pray for things is more about our own comforts and our own desires and less about giving God glory no matter where we are. I remember Nehemiah was just driven. Uh, he, he had some sort of change of heart because remember his brother Hananiah, didn't, uh, he, was, he was part of the, uh, the exodus back to Jerusalem with Ezra and, and Nehemiah chose to stay behind. And at this point he's moved to go and he wants to, he asks, he's asking the Lord, uh, to be able to find a way for him to be able to go back and be able to go and, and help fix the, the, uh, the wall in the city. Now, this last part of verse 11 is actually kind of significant. This is really, it's like a, it's like, it might be the, one of the most interesting verses because it's overlooked, but it's actually significant in the, in the narrative. It says that now I was a cupbearer to the king. And this is important because it, it shows you that he is... Um, he, God has already placed before him an opportunity, much like Esther in the past where she um, had a particular appearance and then she was placed in a position where she can save the Jews. Nehemiah is already in this position where he can actually have some sort of influence um, 
and and has some sort of sway to the king because he's a cupbearer. A cupbearer is supposed to be like the Robin to Batman or the the closest confidant. He's supposed to be able to trust the um, the king is supposed to be able to trust a cupbearer because the life of the king is in the cupbearer's hand. And he's praying uh, that. Um, he's this, he's in this position where he can actually speak with the king. He just hopes that as he interacts with the king, as the Lord provides opportunity for him, that it will allow him to be able uh, to, to fulfill the desire to go back and fix the wall. Now, it's interesting the way he prays. He's, he's praying knowing that he needs to act. And sometimes when we pray, we pray without acting. And I think there, there's a disconnect here. Sometimes when we think that all we need to do is pray and then uh, we don't need to do anything about it. Like I've said this before, that prayer needs to be acted out in faith. So if you want to pray, let's say, for evangelism opportunity, you can't just say, Lord, give me the opportunity and that's it. You need to actually make time to, to go and, and the Lord will open those doors. You, know, you can't say like, oh, Lord, give me an opportunity to share the gospel with someone and then never speak or, 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 or have any desire to find non-believers to talk to or engage non-Christians. Um, you need to be able to to act on the on the prayers that you ask. You know, the Lord. You ask the Lord um, to grow you in Christ's likeness to fight sin, and that means you need to uh, mortify the sin in your life. And the Lord will give you grace to be able to do those things, and you'll see the fruit of those labors. Whatever your uh, prayer request may be, you can't be passive about your responsibilities. I think sometimes we think that well, if God is sovereign, then I don't need to do anything, and that's a wrongful way of thinking. You are still responsible. And, uh, for your actions. Yes, God is sovereign over all things and you don't know how God's going to direct the outcome, but you still need to be responsible in the moment. Here, in this last verse, Nehemiah says he, he's just a cupbearer. And that's important to know because that already gives that already uh, gives him access to be able to speak to the king. So even before he had this prayer, the Lord and the sovereignty placed him in this position. Now he just needs to be faithful in that position. And then you need to think about, especially now in our shelter in place, that you are there because God wants you to be there. And again, this is something that I've been repeating the last several months, that you are with your family at home because God wants you to be with your family at home. It's easy for us to want to do big and grand things for the Lord, but sometimes what the Lord wants you to do is to be faithful in the ordinary. You want to, you might have desire to, to win people uh, to salvation from all over the world, but how can you do that if you're not willing to uh, witness to those that are in your own household? You want to be a good testimony to non-believers and try to win them to Christ. But how can you be do those things outside the home if you aren't willing to do those inside the home to your own family? See, the Lord has placed you in the timing exactly where you need to be and you need to faithfully represent Him. Um, sometimes we have these aspirations and our life's circumstances um, don't match up. Meaning that you say you want to do great things for the Lord, but yet you're not faithful with the small things that God has already given you. What makes you think that God's going to give you these greater things if you can't be faithful with the small things in your life? And that's what's going on here with Nehemiah. He's asking the Lord. Uh, he was faithful to the Lord throughout this time. That's why he's in this uh, position. Uh, he worked up the rank in this political sense, and now he's in a position now where he can do something even bigger than just being a cupbearer. He's now going to try and, and interact with the king so that hopefully he can go and help rebuild this wall. Now we know that because there is a chapter two and all the way, I mean, there's, there's 12 chapters in this, in this uh, chapter, in this book, so, uh, 13, sorry, there are 12 more chapters. There's 13 chapters in books. So we know that this prayer is going to be answered. Um, but again, uh, just a little um, 
I guess a foreshadow or a, a preview of next week. He's been praying for this for four months. He prayed for four months, and the Lord finally gives an opportunity to ask that uh, to have his prayer answered. And we'll see that next week. So, just to summarize, a prayer that is successful is first centered around who God is. So we adore Him for His character. Then we confess our sins, and then <laughs> we're thankful for Him because of how He revealed Himself in His Word. And lastly, we pray for our supplications. If you want your prayer life to be successful and to be rich and be filled with communion with the Lord, these are just four ways in which you could do it. You adore the Lord, you confess your sins, you're thankful to Him for, uh, for all He's revealed in Scripture, and even things they've done in the past and what He will do in the future because of the promises that He's made. And also, you, you then lastly, you pray for the things that you want and need in this life. Um, we've, this, if you're familiar with the term ACTS, that acronym, that's what this is. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. I trust that this will be helpful for you if you apply it to your life today and this week, um, that your prayer life will be enriched if you follow these four steps the way that Nehemiah does. Thank you for listening and have a good day.